0: Jamie, I mean, why is your butt so sore?
1: <laughs> um, well, I don't resent the fact that you've cut me off from actually explaining that to you in order that I have to expose my ass is problems <laughs> to the entirety of our presumably at least 10-strong uh, listenership. Um, so I, I my arse is sore due to the fact that yesterday I cycled to Henley um, from Putney and... Um, yeah, I didn't really take much care of the route and ended up cycling a road bike uh, over some basically very, very rough and bumpy road uh, roads, paths, footpaths, things like that. Um, and that's making it quite uncomfortable to sit down. So uh, as, as you said earlier, incentive to keep this slightly shorter and snappier than my uh, normal uh, podcasting experience. Uh, although I have to say that this monologue has <laughs> rather done the opposite of that.
0: Well, you'll be pleased to know that I pay £14 a month so that we can go for more than one hour per episode. Oh, uh, but-
2: commitment,
0: Red. <laughs> that is like commitment. I don't know to if you can contest. see, but I'm
1: basically sitting at a weird <laughs> angle that basically avoids putting any pressure at all on my arse right now. Huge
0: shame. You need one of those rings? I don't know. Apparently, oh. those rings that people have when they have. When people have a butt lift, they have like a cushion. Anyway, things I learned in Miami. <laughs> will stay anal in Miami. Rings. It's not anal rings. That's what ring. you
1: learn in Miami. No, okay. Like cushion, I'd really cushion. like to do that. Jenny, the medical
0: expert, can you please intervene here and explain I what I about. what is an anal, anal ring? ring? Yeah. <laughs> 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 this is new news to me that they're for butt lifts. We're breaking <laughs> new
1: ground, and I thought I'd finish doing that yesterday, but
0: um... these are both things I have very limited slash no experience in, so maybe I should stop talking. Um, but yes,
1: we're, we have to... the fruits of your inexperience. It's better than <laughs> the fruits of my experience from yesterday.
0: Onwards and upwards. So, uh, please not upwards. Jamie, I guess we should say welcome back and Jenny to our any listeners. And this week we're watching and uh, reviewing State of Flux, season one, episode eleven. By my With numbering.
1: Oh,
0: thank you. Uh, not my Netflix numbering. Jamie, are you ready to give us your one-minute slash never-been-one-minute summary of the episode?
1: Uh, mine? Okay. Yeah. Um,
0: you act surprised. <laughs> it happens every time.
1: I know. This This time I, I actually went into some detail in my notes, but I haven't really done it. Um, I, I think this one, I, my summary would presumably be, don't trust Kardashians who claim to be Bajorans.
0: Good summary. So we can dive right
1: in. Especially if they run around.
0: Oh, yes, that's a good point. They're Cardassians.
1: Cardassians. Uh, Sorry, (laughs) let me re-put that. Don't trust Cardassians who claim to be Bajorans as they try and seduce the deputy skipper.
0: Yeah, we didn't mean to throw any shade, as I think young people used to say about two years ago, (laughs) on the Cardassians. Because I I don't know anything about them. But yes, they look. We are talking about Cardassians.
1: From um, Cardassia, which to be clear is a planet as opposed to, I don't know, some sort of theme village set up by the Kardashians in Hollywood. <laughs>
0: okay. So should we begin? Uh, Jamie, do you want to uh, introduce us or how detailed are your notes? No, oh, no, no. I, no, I,
1: I, I think it's, it's, one, it, it's a wonderful start to the episode. We start on a planet-side vista of uh, Chakotay uh, and carry on a really rather idyllic-looking planet with, uh, I think his rank is Ensign Carrie, uh Lieutenant, Lieutenant. Lute- Lieutenant Carrie, uh enthusing to Chakotay about this amazing <laughs> apple-looking fruit that he's found, and I think it's quite cool because there's a little bit of a Snow Snow White and the Seven Dwarves reference there about the fact he's enthusing about this apple, only for Neelix uh, in his first quote-unquote Neelix not a liability moment in my opinion of the entire series, to save uh, Chakotay and Carrie from death by telling them that this apple is in fact intensely poisonous. Mm. Uh, Telling uh, Kerry and Chicoche to never judge a fruit by its skin uh, and presenting them an, as an optimal alternative to this poison apple fruit, uh, something which frankly looks like it's been melted with a lighter, but I believe is a fruit called a lyola. Uh, hey, hey, described...
0: hey, that looked like ginger to me, <laughs> not, mm, not
1: uh, I mean, okay, uh, a, a ginger root that's been melted with a lighter to me. Okay. Uh, which uh, Neelix enthuses about as being the best source of nutrition in the sector. Chakota takes one bite at this <laughs> and tries to avoid vomiting, it tastes so badly. Um, on which yes, can instant. I just- oh, yes. Oh, no, go of
0: ahead.
1: no, go ahead. go ahead. No, no. Uh, at which point um, Neelix accuses the Starfleet officers of not knowing how to, how to rough it and says that with a light, quote unquote, herbal broth, you wouldn't even notice the mildew on the Leo.
0: <laughs> it doesn't sound very appetizing. And I did like Chakotay's line after Nelix is like, ah, oh, it's the number one source or something of vitamins and minerals. And he's like, mm. I'd find the second best source acceptable if it tasted better, <laughs> which I thought was a good line from Chakotay.
1: Mm. Mm. I agree. Um, but yeah, and we pan from that sort of moment of friendly camaraderie and Starfleet exploration of the galaxy uh, to the bridge of the Voyager, where Paris informs uh, Captain Janeway that he feels they're not alone and that he's picking up things that look like a reflection. Uh, Tuvok is then ordered to scan and says that he's picking up an ion trail and um, At which stage, the captain orders them to fire a pulse to see if they can find a reflection of the vehicle trailing them. Um, And they realize that they are in fact being trailed by a shadowing vessel. uh, Which proves the cue for the captain to... uh, Not radio, but to... uh, Hail. Hail uh, Neelix and Chakotay. And... Order them to gather their crew to start evacuation. Uh, Chikoshi somewhat grace uh, gratefully accedes to this, saying that it means he can stop trying to talk Neelix out of bloodworm tatar. <laughs> um, and, and then, which
0: sounds horrendous. I just want to say.
1: I think that's a little bit judgmental of you, uh, Sister Natalie. Blood
0: ta tatar.
1: Well, tatar. Um, but having fired, a, I think it was a photon burst, and seen that the vehicle pursuing, or not pursuing, but shadowing them appeared to be Kazon, um, the captain orders the evacuation accelerated, but the crew then discover that Seska is missing.
0: Yes. Ta-da! And
1: dun, dun, dun <laughs> And... When they try and ponder where someone might have been missed, they realise it's likely that she might be at a local set of caves which might be blocking her combat. badge. Dot, dot, dot.
0: Very good. Do you want to continue?
1: Yeah, I would love to. So <laughs> We then leap to a scene in which Chikoshe is exploring the caves in which they presume Seska to have been... I see a hand up. Go for it. Uh,
0: yes, I was just thinking... Those caves looked pretty intimidating to me. I'm not sure I would have followed one lost crew member in myself. Just going to put that out <laughs> there.
1: This, this is a Starfleet universe which doesn't have uh, xenomorphs as malevolent as the alien universe inhabiting it. Okay. Uh, ergo, it's fine. Um, Jenny,
2: yeah?
3: I, was just, uh, I wondered if it was standard policy for just one crew member to go look looking for a lost crew member. I would have thought it made more sense for him to take someone...
2: Oh, yeah. Maybe that's... that's,
1: uh, I I mean, we are are talking about a crew whose health and safety (laughs) modus operandi is questionable as per when, A, they took the biggest liability in the sector, Neelix, on an away mission, (laughs) B, on landing and discovering that he'd found his way away from the actual landing part. He didn't take the opportunity to jettison and maroon him at the first opportunity. C, when he put himself in a dangerous situation then didn't take the opportunity to cut their losses and shoot him.
2: <laughs> Jamie, I, think I just based on all of
1: the no, no, you didn't have okay. your hand up. I, I, I have the, the speaking spoon. Um, I just think on the basis of this, we, we should assume that uh, health and safety procedures uh, for an away mission perhaps aren't as mature as one might have wanted. Red, your hand is up. You may speak.
0: I agree with your overall point, but I think <laughs> you're, you're setting the yourself of
1: winning this argument.
0: You're setting yourself up to be one of the most hated fans of Star Trek <laughs> because I get the pressure that people love Nielacs and especially love the actor Ethan Phillips. Um, so good luck with that. But yes, Jenny. As we, uh,
1: no, no, uh, no, no, no. Before, uh, no, I have uh, to
0: go. <laughs> I didn't
3: see. Yeah, Jenny. I think. Uh, Jamie has, has said before, and I think he's doing it on purpose, Red, because he knows that <laughs> Neelix is not our, yours and mine's favourite character, even though I think he's a great actor. Um, I think he's playing devil's advocate, so it's going to make you and I like Neelix more. It's oh, yeah, insane. that's all
0: that's happening. Exactly.
1: <laughs> I yes, mean, Jamie. I, just for people who don't know me very well, I actually had to put my hand up to stop myself interrupting <laughs> folk. <laughs> it's a bit like one of those meerkat heads sleeping up i would say that you put me on this podcast to be the voice of someone who isn't a hardcore star trek fan and ergo i am the voice of the silent majority of humanity who <laughs> don't know anything whatsoever about this so i'm just giving the neutral's opinion i've seen your hand go up i'm <laughs> going to assume that that's going to try and uh, somehow discredit my claim to speak for the no, silent majority I don't want to who aren't Star Trek fans um, but there is also an element of I go in somewhat harder on Leelix just to wind you guys up
0: Yes, and um, I don't want to I just want to say don't discredit the silent majority that's all I want to say but um, back to the scene. Back to the scene. I feel like that's a Green Day song.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, but but anyway, in, in response to Jenny's point of those uh, your point, sorry about these are quite intimidating-looking caves. I mean, theoretically, yes. And there's like the sound of voices talking and laughing ever so slightly in the backdrop as we enter. But um, didn't you mm-hmm. tell me they had like a standardized excessive of Cave set for <laughs> everything. So tell me how the standard cave is more intimidating than itself on any other occasion.
0: Well, the good point, and when you said lovely vista, I laughed myself because it's probably like in a back lot in LA somewhere. <laughs> From what, my, my, what, but I think it's more the fact. Yeah, I, it was. He entered the caves. That's fine, but he's probably going to lose signal because the whole theory of why they lost someone is because she's in a cave and lost signal. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I understand him going after it. But then when he sees a Kazon and then carries on going, at that point I was like, "Wow, that's mm. very brave."
1: Well, it, it, does he see a Kazon or does he just see yeah, Seska? He sees
0: two, he sees two I, Kazon I thought before. he
1: saw Seska first. Who said no. thank? Ah, oh, okay. No. Uh, but yes so tell me the chronology. Tell me the chronology.
0: Well, he enters the cave. He has some sounds what, according Phrasing. to you. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but, um, which I didn't pick up on. Maybe because I was making notes. And then he definitely sees two beings pass, like, you Mm -hmm. know, move across the screen. Maybe he doesn't know the Kazon at that point. And Mm. they still uh, kind of, he decides to continue. And that's when he nearly, he confronts Seska. And they both ready Mm. to nearly, like, stun each other. Mm. Fire at each other.
1: Mm -hmm. Although Seska says, thank the prophets, when she realizes it's Chikose. But they're then discovered by the Mm Kazon, with whom there is a brief but violent shootout during which the Kazon are driven off but Chakotay is winged and Seska has to get him away to safety and to be teleported away to the Voyager.
0: Yes exactly and the only thing I would add there is that when he finds her he's like what are you doing or something like that I don't know and she's like I'm hunting for mushrooms for your favorite soup or something so (laughs) that's a hint I guess of things to come.
1: Yeah, yeah, and we the next scene then begins with the captain entering a captain's log supplemental, saying that Chakotay is recovering, and we pan to an image of Chakotay undergoing, uh, not undergoing, but carrying out some stone carving meditative activity in his quarters, Mm -hmm. Uh, only for Seska to enter these darkened quarters, bringing what appears to be a rather fancy dinner tray with. A cover on top of it. It uh, was
0: very fancy, and very mm-hmm. unmodern.
1: I yeah, think. yeah, very, very unstarfleet. Like um, she did
3: it in some kind of um, Downton Abbey, <laughs> <yeah>. yes, <laughs> Judas kind of movie. Yes, exactly.
1: Uh, and, she and also, said, and
3: also, what I find quite funny is that uh, that kind of ties up with later. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but it really s- stood out that the very first Kazon you hear speak in this episode has like an, an English noble lord's accent yeah. <laughs> really posh English.
0: i did not notice that but that is because i have the problem of not being able to hear accents so i will have to maybe go back um but that is funny because mm-hmm. yes this this serving dish was very aristocratic for of a better word?
1: yeah yeah i'd agree with that yeah um... oh yeah
0: but yeah jamie sorry to interrupt do you want to continue
1: uh, no, I will happily continue, uh, although um, Seska joins him, uh, basically saying that she'd bought him his favourite mushroom soup, which was the reason she gave uh, in the caves for why she was there, looking for mushrooms for his favourite mushroom soup. Um, and the, At which stage, a rather playful dialogue ensues between them, in which uh, Seska claims to have avoided Lyola root um by drawing uh mr neelix away from his canteen with uh a marquee operation in which uh, a number of marquee feigned a morale crisis neelix uh, cheered them up singing folk songs at them for what one can only assume must have been at least 20 hours and that during that time uh she and a number of other marquee uh, Effectively stole food from the ship's food supplies at which point Chikoshe's face changes like a stone saying are you telling me? You've been involved in a criminal operation uh, and He effectively tears Seska to pieces about yeah, this. he's not
0: impressed he is not uh, no. Impressed. no
1: um, ba- basically saying that she's involved from in a criminal conspiracy um, And that he'll have to discipline everyone um, and I love the asked,
0: timing. Sorry, I love yeah. the timing of like when he's like, "Does Neelix know?" And then at that po- is it at that point ne- when Neelix like hails Dakota to report the crime?
1: It's it's almost then. He's like, uh, "And does does Neelix know about this yet?" And she goes, "Well, the morale crisis uh, finished minutes ago, so I'd imagine he's getting back into uh into the quarters now. So I'd imagine he'd know na- now." At which point Neelix goes, jacote <laughs> I need to report." A criminal conspiracy. People have broken into the food stores and looted food from their own crewmates. Words to that effect. uh, And suggests that he'd be very happy to make recommendations for punishment.
0: Do you think Neelix was justified, Jamie?
1: Oh, well. Now that's, (laughs) that's an interesting question. I mean, the presence of replicated technology on the ship sort of... Changes that question slightly, um, as effectively, why do you need to even have ships' food stores if you can replicate whatever food you want? Because they uh, have to ration
0: their energy, right?
1: Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, so it's it is an interesting question. I would say that effectively, theft from a ship's food stores under any circumstances where there is scarcity, of course, it sounds like the sort of thing that should be dealt with and one can understand Chikoshe's next move of effectively saying that he is immediately going to uh, sanction all of those who are involved as a necessary for ship morale and b also for the intermarquis and federation star fleet officer relationships as otherwise he'll be seen to be biased and one can also understand his resentment of Seska putting him in this position. Now, Seska, interestingly, tries to avoid sanction by uh, effectively flirting with Shikoshi coming up <laughs> behind him, running her hands into his chest and saying, but you couldn't do that to me after all we've been through.
0: Yes. And um, like, what? What have they been through? Yeah, <laughs> I,
1: I, I mean, exactly so. Uh, and Shikoshi sort of takes a moment and uh, then says, Seska, I think we both agree that this, we agreed a long time ago that this wouldn't work. Yeah. Which, is a very, very strong sort of rebuff as Seska's being quite seductive at this stage. Um, And and responds effectively saying, uh, fair enough, but there aren't that many uh, available mates here for you. And I've always wanted a pass at Harry Kim. or Again, words to that effect.
0: She says, something like, if you're not interested, I've had my eye on young Ensign Kim.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and, And one sort of wonders why... Kim as her choice of someone to pique him. Um, well, as we discussed... There is, there is a huge contra... Oh, sorry, go for it.
0: I was going to say, as we discussed, Harry Kim was nominated one of the sexiest men in the world at some point during this series. Well, I mean,
1: so. if, if anything, that would soften By <laughs> People the blow. magazine. Yeah, um, that would soften the blow. Whereas I think it's actually... He's picked as someone who will annoy Chakotay because of the fact he represents almost a polar opposite. Harry Kim is effectively the archetype of the new, shiny, idealistic Starfleet officer, whereas Chakotay is this, uh, a man of more years and experience and seasoning and perhaps cynicism, um, and and yeah. a marquee officer. Uh, so they represent different archetypes. So for, for Seska to use Harry, I think suggests that she's trying to pique him about well, I'll go for someone who's as different to you as I possibly could.
0: I do think, yeah, I think there's something about that age gap between Harry and um, Chicote, which almost like diminishes maybe the relationship she had with Chakotay, because if she's going off mm. to Harry, it might just be like, mm. as a plaything. So was Chicote just a plaything? I mean, just, that's what I'm thinking as you, as well, you as, as, as well,
1: as well. A, a, attacking him on a number of levels. I agree.
0: Uh,
3: I sort but of yeah. saw it as a, yeah. as a way to almost like rile him up. Um, oh no, that's a bit, exactly a bit what like, we're saying. A bit that's like exactly if, um, what we're saying. You know, if the genders are reversed, and you know, an ex-husband, you know, goes and goes off with the. A young twenty-two-year-old um, au pair or something. Okay? Like, yeah, exactly. I'm just going to date our au
1: pair now. Like, like
3: be
0: a, very a, like
3: young, a younger, hotter model. Uh,
1: this, this works in both. No, I know, I
3: think um, I know, but exactly. I think that's exactly what it's doing. Yeah, and I'm just describing it from um, the more traditionally um, storylined um, gender roles. But I, I think it's like a reverse of that, and it's um, an attempt to sort of r- rile him up and uh, elicit a reaction. Um,
0: yeah, because she does okay, say, I uh, I've had my eye on young Harry, um, on young Anson Kim. She didn't have to mm. say young. So, I, yeah, I think you're 100% right. It's yeah. too...
3: Also, uh, I just have to point out one one thing as well about that scene is that um, I love the fact that Chikote is like, he didn't even know, he just ate some soup, which his friend bought to him. But he's immediately <laughs> like, I will be included in punishment. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I will punish myself, including him. In yes. I, I love All replication that. I do think privileges
1: rescinded immediately for myself yeah, as
3: well. I think that's the right thing to do as in, he's in a leadership, leadership position. Yeah. You know, I think that's just um,
0: very decent. That's a very good point and I wish it hmm. was adopted more widely by leadership. Yes, <laughs> by leadership,
3: yeah, especially in the UK at the moment. Yes, let's
0: that's not, that's not go on a huge tangent but just yes. say, you know what, I did wrong and you should sanction me whether mm. I knew it or not, the end.
3: Yeah, because you're mm. in a position of a responsibility, and you sh- should know. And even if you did everything in your power to know and and do something about it, it still has the responsibility has to stop somewhere. And those who take the leadership res- responsibility, that's with them.
0: And do you think do you think that's his core character, which I am tending to think, or do you think it's like the influence of the Starfleet training?
1: Of uh, core Mark? character. Core character, one hundred percent. Like Chakotay is always coloured as a man of extremely high integrity, um, and I think the, they're almost making the point that integrity isn't synonymous with just a Starfleet officer badge. In that uh-huh. we're having someone who is a marquee senior figure immediately reacting with the highest level of integrity.
3: Yeah, but then she does. Cesca does go on about quite a lot about how he's changed, you know, which makes me think that yes, I do think he's already had that no, moral
1: no, only, only, sure. if like, take, only if you maybe, take only take as a reliable character witness, which she's clearly not. I think she's trying to do that as she always does, manipulatively.
3: Yeah, I mean, I do agree. Um, but I do wonder if there's um a little bit of um his, uh he's always had that internal sort of moral system. It seems, but maybe it's been, I don't know, like refined a bit by um, being around the um, sort of very strict moral code of Starfeet. I don't know. Around Janeway. I,
2: mm.
1: I can't believe we're hearing this that only people who are Starfleet <laughs> have a moral code in this universe. Now you're going to be that the ones is who so are hated. That's not what
2: I said. <laughs>
1: that's the implication.
3: He, no, he, I said he already had, I do believe. Ferengi can't like, be an, good people.
0: They can be funny people, but they can't be good people. mean, anyway, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um uh, uh, but yeah, maybe sorry to distract us, but um I think the next scene we're on the bridge and they're receiving a distress signal from a Kazon mm, ship, Jamie.
1: That is absolutely correct. Um so- Lord
3: Kazon of Shropshire. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, I don't think so. So uh, anyway, they they receive a shaky uh distress call on the bridge, um, a very very garbled sounding Kazon, who sounds as though they're on their last legs, saying that they can barely keep the ship together, um, Kazon seeming at death's door, and Neelix. Proving, in my view, his likely membership of the Suella Braverman immigra- anti immigration party. <laughs> it's probably a trap. We shouldn't help them. They're one of the most violent no species politics. in the sector.
0: No <laughs> <politics>. <laughs> yeah, no politics. And B. I thought you were going to say he was, like, again, um, proving his worth, in a sense. Well, by
1: telling them that we shouldn't help them, because, like, K's on a bastard. That's a bit well, harsh.
0: what did we learn at the end of the episode? The K's on are bastards, so... I mean... But, okay, he's not... <laughs> but, yeah, but based on his experience, he said it could be a trap, that's what he said. Yeah, uh,
1: and the captain, actually, again, takes the time to mollify him, saying that she takes his uh, his worries very seriously, but their moral code means that they must help if they can.
0: But she does also do... You're right, she does take his uh, warning seriously because she gets Harry Kim to assess the ship for actual mm. real damage and Tom to scan for any other potential ships
1: who mm. could have like,
0: inflicted the damage or could still be in the area. I think that was my understanding. Mm. So she takes this warning seriously.
1: Yeah. She, she takes this warning seriously and you know they scan continuously and they take all sorts of precautions. Uh, and then we jump to an image of some boots embedded in a wall on the Kazon ship. <laughs> all that I have. On my sheet of paper right here is i don't know if you can see boots, boots in on wall.
0: <laughs> i actually missed that because i was taking notes but yes at the end janeway <laughs> wants to respond to the distress signal because that's uh
1: yeah yep absolutely. Way. Yeah.
0: and she yeah. does say something about it could be a way of making friends which i forgot at the end because it kind of ties in to the very last scene but we'll get to that later mm.
1: I agree. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 telling us a lot about who Janeway is, um, and about the the drivers, both moral and immoral. And I th- I think it's it's a really really insightful sort of scene about the balance of pragmatism with principle that goes into Captain Janeway. But anyway, we we jump to the on ship where we see all, all sorts of sort of grisly scenes of so
0: an away team beamed to the ship. Right.
1: Exactly so, and a way she beamed to the ship, finding Kazon sort of melted into the walls and dead everywhere. It's it's about as grim as it gets in the Starfleet universe where the Borg aren't involved. Um, and, and effectively the team explore the ship and find that there's nucleonic radiation held on the far side of a force field around uh, a console and they find one male kazon alive and surmise that the explosion uh, came from a console which looking at it on scanning the residue has neosaurian technology which is federation technology but in a kazon ship which immediately starts to prompt questions amongst the team um it's very
0: well done for getting that very technical Neosorian. Detail? Neo-Saurian.
1: I Neo-Saurian, Neosaurian write technology. That
0: um, I was like, the console doesn't match.
1: <laughs> an eminent surmise. Um, but, but effectively, uh, they been the Kazon uh, survivor back to the ship, where the Doctor finds that all of his cells have mutated and fused with inorganic matter. And in order to help him survive they need to effectively transfuse literally every ounce of blood in his body to avoid uh, him dying horrendously.
0: Yes, Um, I've got the technical detail there. I think they have to do a parasite replacement.
1: What's one of them?
0: Don't know. That's just what they said.
1: (laughs) Hmm. Interesting. But the looming question is, is there the possibility that there is Federation technology on this Kazon vessel? Jenny? Yeah. I
3: think you should say something there. Sorry. Oh, well, we've moved on a bit, but I was just thinking about the pyrocyte, and I was like, what what an interesting word. That isn't any biological thing. And I was like, maybe they're trying to imply it's kind of like a lymphocyte. So Uh uh, it's to do with the immune response, but then they have made it slightly different because it's kazon. So it's a pyrocyte instead of a lymphocyte. And I guess that means like a, oh, maybe more than a blood transfusion, maybe like a...
0: Oh, no, now I'm getting confused, because it's actually an... Translucing oh. or a stem, you know, what's that thing that
3: you have to get if you have got leukemia, like, um, leukemia? Uh,
1: bone marrow. Stem that's implant. the one,
0: that's the one, yeah, yeah, bone marrow. Um, bone marrow transplant. Jenny, could you just, I think, maybe plug in your, um, just make sure it's plugged in correctly. it's a bit of sound, background sound, coming. Um, yeah. 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 So, thank you. I should have
3: moved position. I'll go back to original position.
0: (laughs) Um, But then we have what I call the walk and talk slash turbo lift scene at Jamie with Chakotay, Tubak, and Janeway. Mm, Which is
1: pretty. This is an interesting and dramatic scene because effectively the captain is being advised of the fact that they found this technology, which seems to suggest federation tech has been handed to the Kazon on on that vessel and might have been the cause of the explosion yes and and i just want to comment on sorry sorry, i just
0: want to comment on um uh janeway's response i cannot mimic anyone but the way she says like what (laughs) she seems like really what yeah it was very funny
1: there's fury there
0: i found that quite entertaining for some reason but please continue (laughs)
1: Not at all, I agree. The captain, for the first time, shows sort of dread and anger to a a crew member rather than control, as in her response to Tuvok telling her that he could only think of three possibilities for how this had happened. The first, that it wasn't Federation technology, which...
0: But similar. But
1: similar that someone else had developed. The second was that somehow another Federation starship had found its way there to the Delta Quadrant and had shared the technology, or the third that someone from the ship had actually shared the technology with uh, the Kazon. Um. Sorry, is everything? I can hear some weird background noise. Apologies. Could be the
0: plane going past.
1: Ah, yeah, it sounded. It sounded like that. Um, sorry, everyone. But the captain turns and says, I don't like option three at all.
0: I loved um, your impression there because I wrote down that line and I was like, who is going to do that impression? Uh, and the only thing I would add is, um, obviously, when she finds out that this uh, technology exists on the Kaeson ship, she's, the first thing she asks is, like, can we transport it back to Voyager? Mm. And there is a blocker because due to the nucleonic radiation. Some there reason, is a they force can't.
1: field that's blocked yeah. it in. So that as part sets of up spell safe yeah, That
0: sets up some action later on, I guess. But yes,
3: I think that's um, quite yeah. a jump. That, I, I felt like that was quite a jump. to rock made that third option.
1: It was like, well, no, because at, it's federation technology. At the time, based technology. on the
3: evidence, I thought, but it seems so unlikely because how on earth, how and when, and why would someone from that crew be given? giving technology to the case and obviously we find out later but at the time mm. i was i was thinking that's one hell of a thing to deduce as one of the logical options
0: mm. well i guess he's not clouded by he well, wasn't this, he's not thinking like when or how or no one would do that which one thinking, he thinks
1: is the probable one he's just thinking possible possibles really he's just
0: thinking well that is a way that they would get the technology that's what makes yeah. him tupac yeah <laughs>
1: What are the logical ways in which Federation technology could end up on a Kazon ship in this sector? One, there's another Federation ship from which they got it. Two, it came from us. Three, a another, which is effectively him saying that, oh, actually, someone else has developed similar technology and that's all it is.
3: Yeah, well, I guess I could just sort of more uh, other options that are more likely. Ooh. Like, for example, they have people who come on board, don't they? Not Kazons, but someone could have stolen it and then sold it to the Kazon. So
1: that it came from the ship option. via theft?
3: Yep, came was, from the ship uh, via I theft. That's more likely if I was in, I think. Anyway, mm. it was just a curious... I think list. writers oh. are
0: obsessed with three, so they were never going to give more than three
3: options. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would have got a bit boring if we listed every single
0: it's like, one. At option seven, at option nine, and <laughs> option, <laughs> option <laughs> ten. Option
3: 24, there is a magical, <laughs> um, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, you could go on and on, couldn't you? Yeah. <laughs>
1: I don't know, it seemed pretty logical when when Tuvok said it, but uh, anyhow. But so, you're right,
0: that is actually a very obvious potential option, mm, Janie.
1: And and in in response, uh, the captain orders uh, a sensor, uh, effectively a review of the transmission log to try and find out uh, who might have communicated with someone. And likewise, they ask the question, well, who might have made contact with the Kazon and given them something when on, they the on the actual planet. planet. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And they say, well, there were 12 people. Seska was in the cave with the Kazon in spite of the fact it looked like a gunfight. So the finger of suspicion points Seska's direction for the first time this episode. yeah. <laughs>
0: but Chakotay springs to her defense, but uh, Tubak is like, you should be careful. Um, yeah that is a bit suspicious
1: mm, I agree um, but yeah they they then uh, le- uh, move to a scene in engineering where there is a discussion of how to get access to the piece of technology that uh, exploded and destroyed the Kazon ship a number of options are mooted the first of them being very risky but suggesting that someone acts like a hero with Seska, putting her hand up immediately to say, we should take this risky option. in But in a way that seems a little bit out of character and a little bit suspicious, almost as though she wants to push them to take a risky option that puts the opportunity of finding evidence at risk in case they destroy the console in question, but also allowing her to be the one that you know covers herself in glory. Uh, bringing the technology back, which is, is quite interesting, frankly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, my notes aren't that detailed in that scene, but I think they eventually agree. Mm. Lieutenant Carey comes up with a plan, but it will mm. take, it's not as like... Um, it's not as quick as, and direct yeah. as
1: Suska's, yeah. So
0: they need a day. I did like this scene, Jenny, maybe again, this is, or Jamie, <laughs> I'm sure you'll have some corporate HR perspective on this, but when Janeway is like, when is like, I can have it ready tomorrow, and, and Janeway's like, no, I need it this evening or whatever but i was like no when i say I tomorrow like,
1: i love this i mean bit.
0: tomorrow because i don't exaggerate and jamie's like okay
1: <laughs>
2: yeah
3: I, yeah
1: mm. but it, but it's done in a non-confrontational fashion of just no my original estimate was an honest opinion this is the best that can be done and when it is positioned to the captain in that way it, it's actually i i find it really cool because she responds with I understand and I accept this, and now this has changed the boundaries and parameters of our relationship. And I'll trust you to give me your best effort first answer. And, and I think from then on, the captain sort of does less. I'd like it seventy percent faster, sort of uh, statements in Belana Torres's direction, which I really like. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. That, I mean, there's a whole other main story going on, but this even that little moment does just kind of it's another little insight into their developing relationship uh, mm. and way of
1: working but but also simultaneously in this uh Chikoshe, uh says that during the entire operation he wants Seska on the bridge uh yeah. and then so when Seska- to go, go back
0: it. one minute is i think is that uh balana obviously starts taking charge to get ready get this uh mm. Uh, Mm. And she starts giving orders and assigns something to Seska and then Dakota intervenes and says, yeah, Mm. um, he wants her on the bridge, which is obviously uh, relates back to the fact that I guess they want to try to keep an eye on her or what do you think?
1: Um, Well, I mean, it it seemed to Seska by her reaction that this made everyone think would make everyone think that she was a suspect. To which yeah. Chakotie comes back with a rejoinder, you don't put someone you don't trust on the bridge, which is is true, but also neatly carries out two functions for Chicoche, of keeping Seska on side from the perspective of perceiving herself as trusted, but also simultaneously complying with Tuvok's suggestion that he keeps Seska separate from the investigation on the basis that logically, to quote the volcanism, she is potentially a source of hazard and a potential suspect.
2: Mm.
3: I was going to ask, what, what point do you guys think Chakotay actually begins to think it might be her? Because it's almost Ooh. like really early on, he's doing things that could be construed either way. And that kind of builds and continues mm. throughout the episode. And I just mm. think maybe right from really at the start, he was already thinking, right, if it's her, how can I, um, mm. you know, protect myself? or well, not himself, but the situation. I it's wonder a if it's... question. Looking back, because, uh, uh, you know, in mm. my initial thought was, like, oh, it's not till the end when they, you know, set up a twist. Um, but looking back, I think, oh, maybe it was, like, right from the start, he was... As soon as she
0: became a suspect, he was considering her as a suspect. I don't, I don't sure I see it. Yeah, I don't think he genuinely considered but I think he's like wise enough to know that
1: it's a logical possibility, it's a
0: possibility. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I think he desperately hopes it's thank you, truck. Um, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> uh, uh, not gonna be the case. I mean, because he still defends her, I think, um, a couple more mm. times, but. Yeah, I'm not sure, actually.
2: Hmm. Mm.
3: It's done quite well, I think. Yeah. They deliberately make it... So you don't quite know when he... Maybe that's to reflect mm-hmm. the fact that he doesn't know, as you say. He's. He's He bears it in mind. So knows it's a logical possibility, but...
0: And also in that I'll scene, know. he does kind of say um, there are concerns about you to Seska. So he kind of, I think... Uh, mm. Another way of seeing it is like he's removing her from that action to protect her from any further suspicion. Because uh, mm. if she's not involved and has can't like amend anything or plant any, any evidence, or whatever, then she'll if she's not
3: involved, she'll, she'll be. In yeah, it, it, um, it works. Yeah, it helps both situations basically. Yeah, no, yeah.
0: <laughs> it it's a Very dense de-
1: piece of, piece of resource management.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. but. Um, also, I mean, I kind of thinking he must have been manipulated by her so many times if he was in a relationship with her. So that might also be playing on his mind. But that's, yes. um, that's from a lot of backstory that I'm adding. Not that anything we've actually seen. So,
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah. the whole trying to get him to let her off for getting him mushroom soup suggested yeah. worlds about her character in a relationship.
0: She's not necessarily a rule follower. Um. But yeah, so I think the next scene we're in Sick Bay. Yeah,
1: where Seska comes to very caringly check on the patient <laughs> and seems to be very interested in whether the patient will ever wake up and very, you know, very concerned about the outcome of this patient waking up. Yeah. Um, and, I,
3: and she, she <laughs> purely because, you know, that person will prove her innocence.
0: Yes, that's, <laughs> that's what, what means. Yes. motivation. That's- that's the
3: reason
1: no one one actually said anything about her being guilty or innocent she just said she wanted him to wake up to prove her innocence and every the doctor and kez are like there's a little bit of a what would you be guilty of sort of vibe to them there it's a bit like oh right yeah no i mean i'm not guilty of anything obviously um But then then we
0: also find out that even if he becomes conscious again, he might be so injured he has brain damage. So there's Mm. no guarantees there. But yes, Jamie.
1: Yeah. Um, As she leaves, uh, Seska is asked by Kez uh, if she would provide some blood as they're screening the crew for suitable blood donors, Um, to which Seska says, oh, no, I, I never did. I had a virus when I was a child that meant that I can't do that to which the doctor responds all the more reason to have your blood on record so we can have it managed to which one can imagine seska stamping her foot sorry jenna I saw your hand go up
3: no no i'm done i was gonna um offer to summarize that section because for once <laughs> i actually remembered a scene. <laughs> but you've done it so well so continue
1: uh that, that's terrifying i i can't live up to any sort of previous record of competence um Yeah, and Seska again ducks saying, oh yeah, I'll I'll do it as and when. Um, Which is interesting, I find, and and also sort of questionable that she doesn't want people analysing her blood. Um, Yeah. Yeah,
3: I remember the first time I saw this scene in this episode and I was like, like this is a whole there's a whole new story thread going on here that is curious <laughs> um and I couldn't see how it would fit in and relate I was like what is her blood type got to do with anything
0: um so I love a yeah, very her. good point because uh where we come from I don't want to give anything away any but like what she's done is not possible
2: so <laughs> I like
0: um I would not have even thought of that the other first time I watched so
3: yeah I love the way it all links in at the end but I remember at the time I was like where is this going yeah <laughs>
1: Agreed. Agreed. Um, yeah, so so we, we move from there to the bridge where it's announced that uh, another Kazon ship is coming.
0: I think we might have skipped a little section. Oh, have
1: we? Have we? I beg your pardon. Uh,
0: I'm not sure where they were because I think I just did a line because I couldn't see, but it was Chakotay, Janeway and Tuwok and uh, they're having a little huddle again sharing their undercover operation. Oh, <laughs> And it, confirms that someone has made an unauthorized transmission uh, but it's been masked very well because they did it during like some engineering tests the previous week so it's very hard to kind of trace it back and basically means it could be anyone in the engineering team uh but they don't know who at this stage this uh, unauthorized transmission is very hard to trace um but then you're right uh tom hails the captain from the bridge and request that she come to the bridge straight away because another on ship is i guess approaching
1: hmm. interesting um yeah i i agree with that and as it's that good
0: because that's what happened
1: <laughs> yeah sorry. I, I was... sorry
0: but if we want to it's... move to the bridge i mean that was just like a little scene i don't know if you want it
1: no no I'm, I'm losing the plot i i not have your... <laughs> I, it must it must be the arse pain sort of messing with my concentration I'm my um, um but Yes. I, as we find that out, another Kazon ship approaches. And we're also advised that Seska has left from Transporter Room 2. Yes. And... So
0: this Kazon ship, sorry, just to quickly fill in mm. a bit of detail, is actually only going to arrive in about four hours. And Tom mm. is like, should we let them know that we're here? And Jamie mm-hmm. is like, well, if we know they're approaching, they probably know we're here and we don't have any good news for them. I wasn't yes. quite sure what that... Yeah. But yes, that's kind of why um uh and then you're right we had we find out about an unauthorized transport from kim and do you want to pick up jamie
1: no 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 you you carry on i I think it's time to hand the baton over as my grip on d on general direction rather than detail appears to be flagging um but the transporter room room, i gather is seska leaving to go to the uh ship that was basically irradiated um she then walks into the radiation field and attempts to retrieve the console. Yeah. Um, the capt- uh, And she advises Chakotay and the captain over the combat that so that is what she's doing. They then hear a scream. Oh, wait, wait, uh, wait.
0: Sorry, there was a scene I really liked before that, um, in between note-taking. Uh, where We're back on the bridge, and Janeway is kind of getting all this information from Tuvok, Chakotay, Kim, and Tuvok's hmm. like she could be destroying evidence. T'Chaka is like she just wants to like clear her name. Kim is like I've got a lock oh. on her. Do you want me to beam her back? And she's like, you kind of. I think it kind of like pans a little bit around her where you see her like you know just the yeah. like close up, and she's like got to make this like snap decision. So that was a good like captain moment maybe.
2: Um,
0: and she's like, wait, if we we can't beam her back because she's busy messing around with subspace something, we'll kill yeah. her. Yeah. So she manages to make that snap decision, which I think was correct but then we hear a scream anyway so jamie what happens there
1: uh no you're quite right uh the captain orders uh seska immediately transported to sick bay where she basically is is visited by chakose and turns over and appears to have what appears to be the world's most severe case of sunburn
2: from the radiation
1: (laughs) um Which is a little bit of a case of, um, I think, Star Trek underplaying the injuries the characters receive in execution of their duty, because uh, radiation burns are quite a severe thing, and the way it's appeared to happen to Seska is quite minor. It is a
0: child's so, (laughs) in a sense, or like a kid, friendly so.
1: And and it wasn't a criticism on my part, Red. It wasn't a criticism. Um, I I love the sunburn look. Um... But yeah, we, we move from there to...
0: Janeway's ready room. Yeah,
1: where Lieutenant Kerry is escorted into the room to be interrogated. Yeah. Um oh. And effectively, first of all, he is attacked from the, or well, not attacked, but interrogated from the perspective of how has he dealt with uh, Balana Torres being promoted above him um, and it being suggested to him that he must have had a problem with that and oh, before i crack on red go for it
0: yeah not to uh, give anything more about the scene but actually this is a good example of where these episodic episodes actually tie back to things that have happened in the past because i think mm. last time we met we're like mm. oh, they just completely disregarded something that had happened and they've done but this is mm. a nice tie to the previous kind of episodes sorry i just mm. thought of that
1: in, yeah. in which Bellana Torres beats uh, Lieutenant I, Kerry. I
0: agree. I especially
1: love the
3: way he um, like explains himself as well when he says, since that time, you know, I've worked really hard to prove myself a valuable member of yeah. the team. You know, I accepted that this person was promoted above me and I've just yeah. um, done the best job I can. And um, oh, it just it's, it's nice, isn't it? where uh, yeah, so exactly. When you say, "Oh, I wish I wish that happened in the corporate world." <laughs> yeah, he behaved like a grown-up. Well, yeah.
2: <laughs> well
1: done. Well
3: done. Good Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go on, Jamie.
1: Not at all. You're you're both absolutely correct. Um, uh, and then then it is put to him that he was out of contact for an hour. Um, uh, and this is made to look suspicious as well. And Carrie responds. He was. Uh, he spent that hour picking apples, <laughs> uh, which proved to be poisonous. Um, which is is questionable, but at the end, the captain Chakotay and Tuvok decide to confine uh, Lieutenant Kerry in quarters for the time being. And yeah, it, because it,
0: there is another bit of evidence. I think that we've skipped. A hmm.
1: Oh yeah,
0: authorized transmission that Tuvok found came from his station in engineering during which that it, test. Pre, you know, you know the previous week, and so they were like, "You mm-hmm. can't really confirm whether he was at that, his station at that time or not, or if anyone else was at the station." it's yep. so like, "Yeah, the test, I don't remember." And mm. um, and then he does kind of like deflect attention back to Seska because he's like, "Well, why aren't you, you, you know, it's yeah. And Janeway's like, "Why Siska? He's like, "Well, everyone knows that she was uh, in the cave with the on which
2: yeah,
0: seems to it's pique tr- Janeway.
3: Yeah. And he seems to think better of it, doesn't he? Like, yes, he does. He quite, it. Yeah. yeah, it seems quite realistic. I think because that's what you'd be like at first. You'd you'd panic, wouldn't you? You'd freak out. Oh my god, they're accusing me! And you might immediately react defensively by accusing someone else. And then yeah. you know maybe your grown-up voice <laughs> comes in and says, "Okay, well, you know, there's no point in accusing others. The main thing here is just um, trying to prove that it's it's not me. Because you know he doesn't know it's there." Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think he says something like, "He does retract exactly as you say. He's like, I'm not saying she did, it, but I didn't do it either. So it's like, you know, I don't know mm. what's going on."
1: Hmm. Agreed. Agreed. It's what,
3: you renewed respect for Kerry. In this, <laughs> <laughs> that's true.
0: <laughs> Very true.
1: Yep. Yep. It's it's all happening. It's all happening. Um,
3: Sorry, Jamie. I feel like we keep ruining your flow. No, I,
1: I I'm enjoying it because I I sort of leap. A, a stage ahead and you guys bring me back to actually what's happening Jamie, Sequentially, just
0: to uh, mention if Jamie wants to have his own Star Trek podcast he can, <laughs> we don't have to say anything <laughs> so say we all are allowed to contribute, I'm not saying you think there's a problem, Jamie apologise for saying something <laughs> He just, I think, I just,
1: and i, I, think, I frankly no, would apologize to in her shoes <laughs> I, <laughs> no, think, no.
3: I think you know it's probably the butt thing right but <laughs> you seem to be um you know more distracted than usual when uh when when i crop in with my little uh, interjections so that's why
1: we well, love to
0: hear from you jenny so, that's
1: <laughs> yeah, so i likewise need to hear more of your voice it's just that at the moment i'm quite i'm not sitting pretty
0: we, 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 I think we're nearly there, Jamie. I can't remember how many pages, but yeah, as you were saying, he was say, dismissed. I think, I think
1: we nailed it, and I was a bit like, I really hope not.
0: <laughs> no, you're, you were saying he's dismissed and he's got to be confined to quarters. So, do you want to pick up on that?
1: Mm, well, I think at this stage, uh, Voyager is hailed by the Kazon vessel, which appears to be led by Carla, the first Marge, which is a very grand sounding <laughs> I just, title.
3: I was so confused then because it sounded like Car- Carla. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Khan, the first Marge was, was... Carla. <laughs> or, you know, Tiffany. Yeah. <laughs> um, who,
1: who is greeted cordially by the captain, and informs the captain that I will beam aboard to in to. Inspect the injured uh, on you have. Well, it doesn't uh, start off
0: very well because one of the first things he says is like, "What have you done with our ship?" And she's like, mm. "She has to explain. Your ship sent out as a distress signal. Like, well, we went to mm. investigate. We found a survivor." And then he's Agreed. like, "Yes." He insists he come aboard and <laughs> speak to the survivor. <laughs> you will prepare for my arrival. And then Tom a little, a little line friendly friendly sorts or something like that,
1: he says. Well, I, I, I thought he was going to come out with presumptuous much. Because, <laughs> like, I mean, one has to imagine this Kazon vessel wouldn't do very well in a one-on-one punch-up with uh, Voyager. And yet he's ordering these folk around, basically telling them what they will do. There's a large degree of arrogance there, which one wonders how it's uh, how it's worked for him previously.
0: Well, Jenny, as Janie Jenny said, she he reminds her of an aristocratic lord, so probably quite well.
3: I <laughs> not uh, Is it the same guy, though, this that was first? Oh, uh, yeah, I
0: know. This is the first time we meet this guy. That's yeah,
3: because this guy didn't sound very lord-like to me. It's just that first case on that was in trouble. Was mm-hmm. I think it was. Um, but yeah, oh, I, right, guess, a... I mean, I guess that fake arrogance it kind of ties in a bit with their culture because they're sort of Mm-mm. supposed to have this really like tribal, um uh quite primitive, I guess, for humans kind of culture, which you see a lot in animals where the display, you know, who's got the biggest antlers, who displays the reddest bum, who oh, <laughs> has yeah. the most colourful feathers and is I all mean, the currently display. I win
0: <laughs> <laughs> who has the um, hair that
3: looks the most like a coral reef yes exactly with the most random bits of items in it yeah um, so maybe this is all like this is what their natural tendencies are to have this fake bravado even though their ship is no uh, match for, uh, for voyager um so <laughs> you know this is, i see some rationale there for that
0: <laughs> i guess they're like little war- warlords I mean I'm thinking hmm. a bit sorry, I'm reflecting on current events and yeah, I, I think you you're onto something there, Jen.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. But um yeah, I, I've quite lost sort of my place Okay, I think it.
0: the next the next scene we're we're back in Sick Bay and Jane arrives with uh Maj Kala, or whatever first Majkala and another Kazan who doesn't hmm. say anything, I think. Uh, and and Tubak and the doctor's like, oh, I was just about to update you uh on the condition, or I was just about to call you or something. Uh, and the the survivor, okay, I remember this scene. Oh, go for it. Go Ladies, Jenny, I think Jenny, Jenny. Jenny, Jenny. we're noticing a trend. You should cover all the medical scenes because I, I you have remember. a medical background. Oh, how weird yeah. is
3: it that my brain just automatically remembers the medical scenes? <laughs> like, oh, that's just interesting. I guess it does make sense because it is my background, but it's bizarre. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yes. So, um and the doctor updates that he's um had this massive transfusion and they've used all the blood from everyone on Voyager to um conduct this transfusion. Um and then uh I don't I might I might skip some of the details <laughs> forgive me if I skip some of the details, but the bit I remember is that um then uh they asked to be left alone with him.
1: Mm-hmm. And
3: uh, oh, yeah. you know, it's a couple of them stepped back. Um, and I think there's a bit of a whispered conversation going on um with the with the captain, um, and Kez, is it?
0: the captain and the doctor, because she's like, whatever they say, try Don't let them remove the survivor, like because they're mm. going to try to take him and oh, just say like make
1: out he's not healthy enough to travel. And the doctor says, yeah, that would be the truth, doctor.
3: <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, but unfortunately, as they step away, um, one of the two Kazons stood beside the bedside, um, has some kind of like needle that just slips out that appears out from his finger or nail bed or something mm. um, and he immediately jabs it into the case on, on the on the med bed um, and unfortunately it immediately um, kills him flat lines um, and there's nothing they can do the doctor says it was a nerve agent he was dead almost instantaneously um, mm. and so the mystery deepens
0: yes and why i'm not really sure why they people-
3: killed him <laughs> I think about it. well this
1: i could think i could think of reasons effectively to not to deny the starfleet crew the opportunity to understand how that piece of federation tech found its way onto a Kazon vessel in the first place to potentially maintain that avenue of acquisition of Starfleet Tech Open, that would be the obvious rationale to me. Yeah,
3: they're, they're prote- protecting the traitor, I assume.
1: Because
3: mm. if that yeah. guy woke up and they couldn't talk to him or control him and Voyager mm. Uh, mm. You know, mm. brought to him, <laughs> they yes. might find out the truth from him. Mm. That was what I assumed. But I yeah, like... that ma-
0: that makes sense, but it's not like the uh, Voyager people are going to torture him, so I wasn't 100%. But I guess they're just like cleaning up. They're cleaning up.
1: Uh, although you have to say that given the lack of trust and the aggressive outlook of the Kazon, one imagines they see all other species through the prism of how they would act in those circumstances. Mm. So actually they would probably assume that Voyager would torture him.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, and mm. I think the other thing that came up in that scene is that the um, Maj Kala wants to get their ship. As well, and Janeway is like, "Well, we can't let that happen because we're still mm. investigating how you, how mm. you got our technology." Um mm. And he's like, "Well, I think he threatens her because there's more Kazon ships on the way." With,
1: yeah, how brave you are with all your new technology! Will you be so brave with four Kazon ships off your bow? And she's so like, "We might have that...
0: figured it out by then." So she kind of just she really yeah. doesn't like him.
1: <laughs> uh, um, yeah.
0: But yes, after they murder their fellow crewmate? Comrade. uh, She orders them off the ship. She's very unimpressed.
1: Mm. Yeah, she does. Um, And Jenny,
0: oh, sorry, I was going to ask, do you remember what happens next in the sickbay? Because now that you're the sickbay.
1: Yeah, this this is Jenny's area of expertise about to happen again. Well,
0: to be fair, it's not really Yeah, The Doctor and cares take uh, Captain Janeway aside to explain their theory or their suspicions. Is this mm. a bit where
3: they're discussing Jessica's blood? Jessica's yes. blood. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So um, the only problem is they get a little bit confused between uh, what is revealed mm. when. So <laughs> at this point, I think um, they're they're saying there's something wrong with her blood um, mm. that it doesn't match what they would expect for a normal bejoran blood, but yep. they're not. Do they? Do they?
0: Yeah. So yeah, I think. Or... Um... It's lacking all the common Bajoran blood factors. I'm sure you could explain what a blood factor is, but we oh. and the doctor suspects that she was actually born Cardassian.
3: Um Okay, yeah. I just wasn't sure if this is for the moment they revealed it, yeah. But yeah.
0: And I, it... I like the very fast zoom in on Captain Jane's face with her like jaw dropping. <laughs> it was a good uh, mm. good scene. A good um, Yeah. I, man- I managed to look up from my note taking at that point and she's like her face kind of said it all
1: at mm. that point. And, and the doctor sort of makes it clear. I think it's likely it's been genetically altered from Cardassians. Mm. It's just—it's a killer line. It's sort of. It now, to me, that's the point at which suspicion is no longer on Carrie.
3: Well, I, I, I was still a bit unsure at this point because um, earlier on, Seska had been talking to someone. I can't remember who it was about how her blood would look a bit odd anyway because of this, like this disease she mentioned, sore skins or something. Um and I was so I was still a bit unclear as to can she still use that as a as a reason? Could that be a reason for the sort of inconsistencies in her blood? Um Yeah
0: because as she could you say it's kind of towards the end. Just because she's Cardassian doesn't mean she's a traitor. So we have mm. to kind of keep our <laughs> prejudice in check. <laughs> yeah uh, That's at this point. The point um but yeah so i think um after uh, sickbay we're back in um, the briefing room um and they're giving this news to chakotay so i think it's Tubok and janeway i'm guessing and he's like do you expect me to believe that seska is a condassian agent who infiltrated mm. the marquis so it's like thinking back on <laughs> the whole history like how long Brilliant. she's been around Hmm. Yeah, and should we protect,
3: continue to pretend all this time. Like, yeah, like, oh, in frustration, Jacoti
1: Chakot- 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 comes up with the immortal line: "Was anyone on that ship working for me?"
3: That was the best line. I love that. That is I, mean, yes. Tuvok, I really feel for Tuvok him. I'm like,
1: I'm, how would you yeah.
3: feel, right after you've already been like made mm. to feel a bit stupid because you missed the agent two mm. from the Federation? It turns out there was another spy from another from another species and another ulterior native <laughs> i yeah i love that line say, it's just, very good i'd feel exactly the same i, I was stupid am i <laughs>
0: <laughs> at this point though he still wants to give seska a chance to like explain herself and like i guess confront her with these details janeway wants to wait until they've like retrieved the console so she yeah. hails balana to check in on their progress and they're actually ready to go and so mm. she leaves the ready room. And exactly as you say, Chakotay turns to Tuvok and he's like, you were working for her, Seska was working for them. Was anyone on board that ship working for me? As you guys
1: said. But, and, that, uh, but that's interesting though, because he actually, it sounds as though he's accepted that Seska was actually a Cardassian and was mm-hmm. working for them without Good actually comment. giving, yeah, it sounds like he's convinced at that stage. So that's interesting. Well, certainly...
0: I think he's more like at that point, I mean, yes, I agree that he could be convinced, but sometimes you can like, you adopt a belief because it makes you able to make yourself the victim more, if that makes sense, Um, without, you know, believing it 100%. But yes, it does seem like he's leaning in that way, but he's also feeling a bit sorry for himself. So it's another bit of data to help him feel sorry for himself more, I think, if that makes sense. I don't know if that made any sense. But I felt for for at that point because yeah, and also again I thought about um, well, I I don't want to bring in the whole like current events, but I think the whole point of spying is very pointless. (laughs) I uh, I heard um, this podcast or someone mentioned this podcast that like there was some in like history maybe between America spying
1: on our podcast.
0: No, no one is spying on us sadly, but like there was like this one restaurant that. Uh, everyone was there to spy on everyone else, so all it was filled with was spies, so, like, nothing useful was even happening. So it's just like, what is the point? Just uh, get a life, I guess, is my my, my message to all spies. <laughs> um, sorry, no offense. Um, uh, but, yeah, so then we go to the bridge, and this uh, a Kazon ship is hailing Voyager. Mm. Um, and Kala's unimpressed, and Jamie, do you want to explain why?
1: Carla's unimpressed or Janeway is unimpressed?
0: Well, at this point, Carla's unimpressed because his senses show that Voyager people are trespassing on what he considers his ship.
1: Mm, but then and-
0: Janeway is very quickly unimpressed too.
1: Yeah, no, it, it, it's a great little exchange because up until this point, one feels that Carla has perhaps dominated the interactions between the two of them. And it seems like he's trying to do more of the same with his well, no, his very overbearing arrogance. And he says if they continue on the ship, they'll need to consider it an act of war. And Janeway says, Well, Marge, I'm sorry that that upsets you, but I don't like threats, I don't like bullies, and I don't like you and effectively tells him that she's going to do what she's going to do and that uh, he can try and stop her if, she wants, if he wants to. But um, he rapidly backs down with his ship powering down their weapons to avoid a confrontation with uh, Voyager, as I understand the scene.
0: Yeah, another example, even if it's fiction, that standing up to bullies can sometimes work.
1: Um, it's always the right thing to do.
0: Yeah. Um, and I think at this point, Janeway hails Bona just to check in again on their progress. And they're done. She's a bit surprised to hear that they've yeah. already succeeded. And they're ready to beam back to Voyager with this console that they've managed to extract, I guess.
1: Effective outcomes. This is what happens if you don't push projects to adopt stretch targets.
0: That is a very good point, Jamie. yeah
1: Message.
3: Oh, I feel, I feel very strongly about this. <laughs> I've, I recently... Can I, can I just drop in a tiny bit of corporate?
0: You can, as long as you don't expect that's, me to edit it out. That's fine. Yes. It's a
3: very quick tangent. Um, Go for uh, it. Makes no Jenny, work for. <laughs> no, no, no. But, um, you know, quite often in my industry, anyway, you have a sort of, okay, we're gonna spend 80% billable, or 90% billable, that's a target, right? And then you spend the rest 10% of your, your time, you know, doing internal non-billable stuff. So that's, that's the target. Um, but recently, I saw this um, communique that was uh, talking about how the, the new the new process was to um, make sure that ahead of time everyone had more work than they in fact had capacity for, on the assumption that not all work will come in. So therefore, everyone's going to get like be be given uh, their planning for the week was going to get like one hundred and twenty percent. Of the time. oh my gosh <laughs> and just assume that some of it will not appear which does which does quite often happen um but my god this is such bad planning
0: <laughs> like... but yeah it's more like you can't really plan for that you plan for mm. capacity and then if people have extra capacity then they can take on those high high priority things if they have space for it not like mm. assume that it's gonna anyway
2: yeah it's
3: a surefire way to
2: yeah cause
3: mm-hmm. problems in your business anyway that's my little rant over love it love it
0: um yeah so i think the next scene we're in engineering and everyone well everyone balana Tubak, chakotay and jamie are huddled around the console and balana discovers some interesting things
1: yes and she says the immortal line of all the things to die for a replicator and she realizes that the console has bioneural fibers, which Mark it out as almost unmistakably a Starfleet piece of technology. That it Not was
0: just a- Starfleet, Voyager, because Voyager, Voyager is the first Starfleet ship with this Starfleet. bioneural technology.
1: Yeah, yeah. And um, it, it clears up which of two vox options it was that uh, was the source of this technology. Um, and it feels like an immensely... Sad thing for a crew to die for. Your hands leapt up.
0: Yes, I did make a question here because, as Jamie points out, uh, for um, like she's like, imagine what it would mean to a culture without the replicator technology. So I was wanted to ask you if you had a replicator and you could only replicate one thing, what would you use it for? (laughs) I mean, not only one thing, like once ever, but you could replicate. But you could one thing
1: as many times as you want. Yeah. Eight oh,
0: coin. okay. Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> Bitcoin. Wow, my answer is much more mundane. Jenny?
3: Oh my goodness, I, I don't know. It's
0: a really difficult question. <laughs>
1: uh, uh, truffle and- oil?
0: I honestly oh, would get no. it to replicate my meals. I mean, I hate, I'm hate. i really not into cooking at the moment. So if I could just say, replicate and make me something. Oh, I'm so happy. I,
3: I, I thought you meant like I'd have to choose one, like, <laughs> chocolate like one thing you know one food well you can use
0: the replicator to make art to make weapons to make uh jewelry clothes um anything but i would use it for my meals (laughs) i mean yeah it's gotta be food and
3: water then isn't it because like that's the very basic like you know you'll never go hungry or dive no but i'm
0: not i'm not worried about starvation. i'm just very bored of cooking
3: <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking. I'm overthinking this. You can
1: replicate any single thing that you want, and you guys would go for food.
0: Yes, correct.
1: I mean, Jenny, did I not make you enough dinner tonight?
3: <laughs> well, I mean, really, I'd probably go for water because water. No, you can't get
0: water in real life. I'm just thinking about
3: saving the you? world. You know, <laughs> like if you had unlimited supplies of clean drinking water that you could replicate oh, no, um, as much as you like, whatever you like. You know and yeah. uh i don't
0: know <laughs> jamie chose bitcoin so from one i mean i'd like
1: to i'd like to revise that because i think oh. i'd choose something which is sort of pecuniary in nature in order to be able to source a wider range of things to more positively influence the flow of human history i i think just Food or water. No, worth. this
0: is just for your personal use. I don't want to bring in like saving the world. But honestly, <laughs> oh, well, well, personal use a, would
1: be to save the world. A, because, a as Janeway herself <laughs> knows, ah. this technology could change the balance of power in a sector, let alone a single planet like planet Earth.
0: I want to change my answer based on what Jenny said. If you can replicate a swimming pool in winter, I mean, in summer, I would definitely take that. <laughs> I would definitely take that. I mean, how I'm big supposed- are the things
1: replicators replicate?
0: yeah a small plunge pool i think it can do that
3: <laughs> when and jamie would you not go for some like top of the range uh rowing boat
1: no i'd go for the money to buy it and other stuff
0: maybe you could replicate all your rowing gear whenever you need it
1: i mean i frankly wouldn't want to replicate my current rowing gear because it's in pieces <laughs>
0: It's not replicate as an replicate exactly <laughs> what you have already. <laughs> replicate and like replicate.
1: You guys are trying old. to get me to limit my scope in a way that makes me suspicious. Do no. you Company. you can
0: replicate money if you want That's do, do you work,
1: i don't know do you work for some weird un, undescribed climate change denial lobby that, do you
0: work for a replicator machine do company you
1: know i will not be silenced in my call to use my replicator to create funds to drive positive climate change action um
0: okay back to the podcast so i think in this scene we discover that the console was a replicator that sh- Sadly, which definitely came from Voyager. Sadly, exploded uh, mm. on this case on ship because they had not installed it correctly or didn't have a thick enough mm. um, uh, mm. casing or something. And so yeah, a whole bunch of I, people died because they couldn't install a replicator properly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, you know, I
3: love I love the tone of this scene because it just really reminds me of like um, when you get like the plumber around or something. <laughs> <laughs> like a tradesman, and they're like. And, mm. they, they're, you know, and they're a really um, lovely chassis person and they're sort of talking about the dangers of like, you know, people do it yourself, DIY. Yes. That kind of thing. And, <laughs> and how stupid people are including myself mm. in this, by the way. Um, when they try and fix things themselves and um, it just mm. adds tones of that which I found quite comedic.
0: That's right. This was a DIY job gone wrong basically.
2: Mm. <laughs>
3: Always call the professionals. <laughs>
0: Oh, I do. Mm. I do. So <laughs> I know my limits. Um, but I think this scene kind of, I think it ends because it's the bottom of my page. She wants a full report so she can share everything with color. Oh. Uh And uh, I guess at this point, I, think, I just remember there's a scene, I mean, they kind of pan to or they show chakote, and he is looking a bit more concerned uh, because it's now, I guess we've proven that the, technology mm. is definitely from Voyager,
1: so that kind mm. of heightens the tension around Seska. And he makes that clear to Seska in his next scene with her. In um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she, she pushes him to ask her the question, well asked then, did you? And she says, uh, she tells him to talk to his animal guide and figure it out.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, he goes in to say, like, kind of fill her in, which I think is very nice of him.
1: <laughs> I mean, um, phrasing again, but yes.
0: Okay, I don't know what you mean by when I say phrasing.
1: I mean, you've used a questionable turn of phrase that could be made into an innuendo given the circumstance. <laughs> okay, I don't see. If, if you want and more I, information, YouTube, Archer, and phrasing.
0: Uh, okay. Uh, But you can kind of see he is beginning to have, well, I thought at this point, he is beginning to have doubts. Uh, And she turns on him pretty viciously. Because I think when she says, why don't you talk to your animal guide and figure it all out? I thought that was a bit um, vicious. But I liked his response. He was very, like, completely unperturbed. He's like, I plan to. Like yeah, that's how I figured things out. Like <laughs> you yeah. can't use this not, against me. It's not like, out. Not yeah. Not ashamed of it. So yeah. You can't oh, use that I, like
1: that. Uh, I talk to my animal guide. Do you talk to yours? It's feeling lonely right now.
0: Uh, and she's like, "Well, good. Come back to me when you know when when you mm-hmm. do." Um, and then he challenges her on this Cardassian theory that the doctor has proposed, mm. uh, and she attempts to explain it. Um, she a, a denies
1: Kardasian hood. She denies it. She does. Um, she claims to have something called orchid's disease and claimed yeah. the likely story that as a Bajoran <laughs> uh, refugee growing up in the camps, she was saved by a sympathetic Cardassian lady who gave her a bone marrow transplant because all the Cardassians were very nice to the Bajorans living in camps. <laughs> very nice indeed. Nothing think to see... Their federation.
3: There's <laughs> yeah. this where she they come in saying that the doctor's mm. already ruled that ruled No, it. it's
0: not quite right Oh, right okay. Yet. Okay.
2: Mm.
3: So
0: it's at this point she's like explaining away this uh, mm. know, challenge that Curtis proposed. And um, mm. she kind of says something like, You must think I'm a horrible person. She's like, She's still trying to manipulate him, mm. I think, at this point, obviously. Mm. Um, and she's like, no. like kind of like me being an agent. It wouldn't be worth the trouble for the secrets that you shared with me. No. And she's like, I only had one agenda with you, Chocote, and I never kept it secret. At which point, I thought of uh, a the song from How I Met Your Mother. I said a bang, oh. bang,
1: bang any
0: bang. I thought you were going to come bang, up with some, bang, some really bang, like bang, softy bang, romantic bang. kind of <laughs> reference
1: then. I mean, that, that, that's, that's the equivalent of me saying phrasing red, but yes.
0: <laughs> Sorry, but that is what popped into my brain. <laughs> um, and after this whole long conversation, um, she kind of asks, like, so do you believe me again? And he's like, I want to. So she, he seems. It seems like he's gone from this position of sorry to doubt her to kind of be sucked mm. back into her, but
2: her web then,
0: exactly her web. Um,
2: mm.
0: and then she's like starting to act a bit agitated because she wants to get back to work, and he's like, Um, no, you have to remain confined until we figure figured it all out. Because, um, hmm. and he kind of tells her exactly what they plan to do, which is they want to find out where the replicator components were taken from and she's like why and then he's like well that might give us evidence of who took them
1: mm. um it says like, leaves no stone unturned
0: yes yes as a, exactly.
1: as a way of effectively putting the wind up her that this will be thoroughly done and i think this is what's known as a red letter trail
0: oh what is that
1: that is where you try and expose who is a spy or who is a traitor by feeding different potential uh, individuals of suspicion different stories and seeing which of them end up being the ones that the opposition act on. Because based on who got that piece of information, you can then tell who's feeding that information and who's a traitor. In this instance, the red letter trail is telling both Kerry and uh seska that they are going to be checking where the console was taken from
0: yeah exactly because, sorry, it, just
1: then does something to sorry go for it go for it go for it
0: just to interject there like Chakote leaves sickbay and tuvok is waiting outside and Chakote mm. kind of was like well she said she had a potassium transplant as a child which saved her mm. life and that's what, and then all, tu- all tuvok says is like at that point is like um did you set our plan in motion and they're like "Ooh," and i guess then you realize they're setting this red letter trail thing. Yeah. That's because they fed the same information to her and Lieutenant uh, Perry. Yep. Uh, that but is. Again, this whole spy thing, I feel like they should just all retire and nothing would make a difference in the world. But
3: anyway. Mm. <laughs> See, I, I love um, all the dr- dramatizations of spy stuff. You know, there's so many like movies and books. and
0: I also love it, but I think the real the reality is like nothing like that. It's- it feels so well, that, yeah. mm. That's what I wonder, yeah. I mean,
3: obviously it is dramatised and it's always
2: mm. just
3: a question of how much, like, all of it? <laughs> or, I don't know, but mm. definitely now I think it's not the same, but I wonder if... I mean, because some of the spy things you watch are, like, based on real events that happened sort of mm. 50, 80 odd years ago.
1: So it's actually known as the Canary Trap. sorry. Ah, okay.
0: Thank you, Yeah. Um, I think there was a time and place for spying, but in the digital era, you can just like go on Twitter or something and see what people are saying and mm -hmm. draw your conclusions from there. But I am not a spy. And also, I would have liked to be a spy. So I don't know why I'm saying this. (laughs)
1: Do you you know something absolutely hilarious? I've just looked along Wikipedia for, you know, Canary Trap, and the very first known Canary Trap case says, following the troubled production of Star Trek, the motion picture in the late uh, 1970s, Paramount Pictures replaced Gene Rodenbury as producer of further movies in the franchise with Harvey Bennett. I was like, how the hell is the very first Canary
0: Trap
1: to do with the Star Trek franchise? Um, This happened because fans were complaining about uh, plot developments um, for the films that Rodenbury had been against. Uh, And basically, before any drafts of the screenplay were circulated, uh, Harvey Bennett arranged for each individual copy to have subtle clues distinguishing it. When Rodenbury opposed the destruction of the Enterprise at the climax of the film, fans began to complain to Paramount and Bennett Found the leaked copy of the script was the one given to Rodenbury. So basically, Rodenbury himself was caught in a canary trap.
0: That is hilarious, but also, he was just doing what they tell you to do in corporate like life, which is to get support for your idea <laughs> by sharing it with others. Yeah, by
1: classified to... documents. Well,
0: it's not classified, it was just a script. But... <laughs> well,
1: confident, highly confidential. I wrote, yeah. you, the very next one is uh, Elon Musk at uh, Tesla Motors.
0: <laughs> ah, was this to do with his tweets or something else?
1: Hmm? Oh the no, do- uh, well, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. We can
0: read up. We can read up. Um, okay, so back to Voyager and uh, State of Flux.
2: Um, mm.
0: So the next scene we, in engineering, and Tuvok and Chakotay are playing Jin. I've never played this game. No comment. Mm. Do you guys know it?
1: Uh, it's, a, Jin- it's a card game? No, I, I mean... No, not really. I feel
0: like I've seen it on every American show I've ever watched, but... I've never got around to figuring out how the hard works. Oh,
2: okay. Maybe
3: it's more a U.S.
0: card game. I mean. I oh, I think it is. It is. Yes. Mm-hmm. But uh, Chakotay is losing, I guess, pretty badly. Uh, B'Elanna enters, uh, so mm-hmm. let like them know that two more Kazon warships are on their way and will arrive in about six hours. Mm-hmm. And then we hear an alarm trip, and someone says, "I think it's Chakotay." He's like, "Well, mm-hmm. something along the lines of someone is nibbling on the bait." So
1: drama. Oh, good line. Yeah, uh, and yeah. they all
0: move to monitor the activity on a station. At which point, I have to say, I lost track. So Jamie I don't
1: know, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I mean, effectively, the initial finding of who is entering the code, it, it effectively shows that someone is actually a, a very good uh, to use a term from another uh, sci-fi franchise, code splicer, because. It appears as though Carrie has logged onto the system and is falsifying things.
0: Not Carrie, because whose uh, security signature is it?
1: Seska, No, I, th- I think it it is. It's...
0: So, yeah, just to just to be clear, one hundred percent clear, because they're watching like someone manipulate data on the screen, which is a bit I wasn't yeah. really sure what they're doing. Yeah. But Polana um, asks anyone know what security code that is, and Shakotay recognizes it as Seska's. And so Pilana, her reaction is. Oh, it must be Lieutenant Kerry because they assume whoever logs in would use someone else's code to mm-hmm. hide their own.
3: But Chicote has a look on his face.
0: He and does have a look on his face, I agree. Amazing. But Bellana at that point is like, oh, it must be Lieutenant Kerry, because he's trying to point the finger at um mm. at uh, Seska.
1: Yeah. Mm. I and I never I don't Chikotay understand the truth. logic at this at this stage of why well, They're uh, able to extrapolate that it is Seska at this uh, point. Ah,
0: because we learn a bit more information when he goes to visit her in sickbay.
1: Hmm. So could, could you, for my benefit, because I didn't understand what the additional information really was.
0: Well... It, Well, Jenny, do you have anything to add before I dive in? Well, I mean,
3: I took it, to be honest, that the additional information was that important, really, because it was the look on Chicote's face because it just chimed with a conversation he'd had earlier with her where she Mm. was saying, "Um, do you really think I'd be stupid enough to use my own, um, whatever it is, um, login, (laughs) for want of a better word. Well, they're like, we're going to
0: check for this thing. And she's like, do you think anyone would be stupid enough to use their own... Yeah, yeah, and the thing is,
3: he's he knows her intimately, right? So, mm. although they see that Seska's uh, uh, ID is being used, and anyone who doesn't know her intimately said, Oh, well, it must be. I'm um, mm. oh, sorry, I'm getting it confused. Um, That's right.
1: Ooh, totally correct.
3: Is that right? Um, so, yeah, so it must be Lou, Lieutenant Kitty. Kerry. Um, that, to me, it suggests that we cut out of the scene just before. Chakotay basically says to them, no, in fact, this proves it's Seska. Um, but they
0: do have some more information, some more evidence, mm. which I think you're both forgetting about. Sorry, <laughs> but I may be so bold. Oh, tell us, tell us. Um, I, because I, I... Uh, uh, Chakotay at a sick bay, Ses- Seska is sleeping, and um, she kind of wakes up as he approaches. And Chakotay is like, it's over. We know you gave the technology to the Kazon. Yes. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I don't know what you think you found. And he's like, We found what you wanted us to find, which was her own security code um, to frame the town carry. But mm. they also managed to actually trace the computer station where the mm. data was entered to the one that is literally above her in the sickbay.
1: Ah, in sickbay. That's what I'm going to get
0: so that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, but there's I mean, some
0: detail about how hard it was to trace, but I just. I just tried to capture the main
1: points. Yeah. Hats off to Seska. She's bloody good at covering her trail.
0: Yeah. She's a fiend.
1: I mean, she's not a fiend. She's just very competent.
0: what What does fiend mean? Am I used it wrong?
1: Moral, it implies moral judgment as opposed to... No, that means... Expenage. I feel like
0: it sounds like a very good evil person. <laughs>
1: It can be more morally judgy than effectiveness judgy, but... Uh... An
0: enthusiast or devotee of a particular thing. Hmm. Or an what? evil spirit Death or demon.
1: Fiend. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fiendishly yes. effective? I don't know. Yeah,
0: maybe I wasn't correct.
3: Is um, this the point where um, they confront her and she sort of... Yes. ...ask as well? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, so they, then we, we finally get mm. the real Seska come out and she sort of goes on at how she... Um, she thinks they need to be making friends. Need to toughen and, up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if this was a Kardashian ship, we'd principles. be home. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the real Seska comes out.
0: Yeah. 100%. But actually, this is what I didn't realize when I was watching, but only when you guys commented. She says, uh, you know, she did it for you to go to the crew of Voyager because um,
1: to help mm-hmm. us get out
0: because she was like, to make friends. -hmm. Instead of obeying all these federation rules, which is kind of funny because at the very beginning, when Janeway wants to respond to that distress call, she's kind of also says something about like, "Well, we could make friends." Mm. They had go about achieving this this outcome completely different ways. Janeway by like going to help someone, Seska by like betraying her (laughs) own crew,
1: Mm. Um, which and and Seska asks the question or poses the morally relativistic stance of it doesn't matter how it affects the power in this system. It's about building our own power base, yeah. um, which neatly sort of encapsulates the difference between uh, a moral belief system, which is relativistic and entirely based on how things impact on your position, and the slightly more, uh, how shall I put this, there are absolute morals sort of stance that Starfleet and the Star Trek writers generally tend to take. And I think that's a really interesting contrast.
2: Mm.
3: Mm. I think also, um, I just really remembered vividly the bit where she ac- accuses Janeway, um, mm. which I just think comes back a lot in Jane. I feel like this then weighs heavily on Janeway. It already mm. is weigh- weighing heavily on Janeway's mind throughout the whole, <laughs> every season, you know, mm. did she do the right thing? She she mm. blames herself for getting them stranded in the Delta Quadrant, and this is one of those scenes where she, you know it's her worst nightmare. She's got a crew member who's blaming mm. her and saying, "We're all here because of you. It's all your fault." And I think Janeway has a nice sort of expression on her face, nice in terms mm. of the acting um, expression yeah. on her face yeah. of like,
0: "Is it true? Is it all my fault?" But Seska mm. really knows what to say. I think that's her like superpower. It's like yeah. that's why she's such a good manipulator. So she she says that. Whether she, that's what she truly believes or not, I'm not sure. But she knows that's a button to press. And she yeah. also does it to like Chicote, where she says something like, I can't believe I ever loved you. Like, that's <laughs> another button. Wow.
1: That's what he,
0: looks, he didn't look happy when she said that. I'm not sure.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, doesn't like yeah. the association and uh, doesn't uh, like, frankly, the accusation of betrayal.
0: Yeah, it's not a nice thing to say to someone. So she's really still at this very last moment before she, uh,
1: uh,
0: like, um, has that secret code where she's able to beam away. Um, uh, still, you know, pushing their buttons, making she, them.
1: She she's about feel bad. the member of the club that, not the club, uh, the crew that knows how to be manipulative in a mean way, which yeah. is quite quite. Surprising, frankly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, she's I mean, she's a great character. I mean because she is a good yeah. counter to all the the very good characters, I would say. I mean a good, like, in, characters with, with integrity. But um Janeway wants to like so as we said, she like beams off a Voyager. She's beamed to a nearby Kazan ship, I think. Uh mm. Janeway wants to pursue, but for once she listens to the people around her who say there's more on ships approaching doesn't make sense to stay let's mm. get out of here and she's like well we'll have to wait for another day to settle up with sesca which and there's a sir, so more see-
1: vengeful tone there than one normally gets from january isn't there
0: yes i did laugh also actually as well because i think she gives a instruction to tom paris over the Communicator badge What's it called <laughs> I don't, yeah. sorry, I can't fly. Uh to like get them out of there. And he's like, Yes, ma'am, which is something they comment a lot on the Delta Flyers, the way he's always like I cannot yes. impersonate anyone, but yeah, go for it, Jamie.
1: Yeah, I mean, you may not be able to impersonate folk, but nor can I mean I, I've listened to the Delta Flyer with Jenny and the imitation <laughs> of Captain Janeway that uh Tom Paris, <laughs> the actor, does is that's, uh, not uh, Garrett not Wang complimentary. Who does Oh no, but I mean, he, no, they,
0: also, they but also joke about how he has this kind of flirty, yes ma'am, or whatever. And he definitely does it at the end of the scene when she gives them the command to like take them out of the area. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. Fair, enough. fair enough. Fair enough. And then we have the final scene. Who wants to wrap it up?
3: I love oh. the scene. I don't remember enough oh, them, I don't think. <laughs> I did love, I, I do, I think I remember one line. That, I just love Tuvok in this scene. Like, mm. just, uh, yes. he has some great responses, some great lines delivered really well. Like, mm. and I, well, he also had a bit of wisdom, which I thought, oh, that is, but, that is mm. so true. And something that I feel I learned later in life mm. it's so true but, has something to do with, um, but you that, know, can, do not wait, I, wait,
0: wait, it. Jamie. I just it, want to hear what the word of
3: wisdom was before we yeah, get into yes. um, Do not mistake um, composure for ease. Um, uh. I thought, gosh, yeah, I just, I think I did that for a lot of my life. mistook <laughs> composure for ease. And then, you know, as you sort of approached my 30s, I started to realize that, oh, okay. No, I don't think that everyone is really super composed and at, e- at ease all the time. It's just, they're not, sorry, they're mm. not super at ease all the time. They're just, they've they've learned it's a skill right to learn to be calm mm. and composed in moments of emotional ter- turmoil um and i'd like to think i've got better at, at it as i've gotten older um but it's also quite a nice mm. uh reminder that it's not it's not you you're not crazy um it's just that some people are better at it than others and some people it takes them longer to learn mm. to um you know yeah. just not reactively um respond um
0: I so just, are you kind of uh, uh, hinting at like, um I guess something I'm just like, well, if someone doesn't have a like a strong emotional reaction, it means they don't care. But actually they're having that reaction, they're just managing it. Or is that an example of like maybe a way of thinking?
1: I, th- I think that's an example of what, Chico- of what Tuvok is saying, but it's not just necessarily... Uh,
0: so that's not related to the episode, but I'm just trying to like figure out more about what Jenny's saying.
1: To, to me, as I understand, Jenny, she's effectively saying that for, there are folk who are composed, but that does not mean that they are at ease with what they are doing or how easy it is or otherwise emotionally. Yeah. It's yeah. just that they're maintaining composure in the face of that discomfort. Yeah. Um, and and I think that's an easy distinction discomfort. to make. Situation. You think that those who are composed are finding everything easy, but that might not Be the case at all. It it might uh, be reversed, and it's it's being disguised effectively. um And I agree that also encompasses what you said of just because someone hasn't made a massive emotional outburst about something doesn't mean they don't care about it. They're just controlling how they react outside it. If that makes sense,
3: I guess I see it in a positive light. It's not sort of repressing or controlling. It's more um, self control, composure, and difficult trying circumstances mm. because rarely does an emotional outburst mm. um, help situations <laughs>
0: um, mm. true so jamie do you want to go back into the detail and wrap this up for us because
2: oh
3: we've uh, been going
0: for a long time and all i could keep thinking about is tim saying who's going to listen to an episode that's like double the length of the actual tv show such true.
3: a long one like i just think that this episode yeah. was like really complicated yeah like and and even even when i was watching it i was like how are we gonna talk through all this it's gonna be so so hard to describe yeah
0: hopefully you think that we've succeeded but jamie over to you
1: no 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 effectively setting the scene tuvok walks into the Voyager bar uh, like a storm cloud up to tuvok and chikose walks in yeah, so Chakotay walks in like a storm cloud up to Tuvok and effectively poses him the question.
0: Can I ask you to be on, honest with me? Yeah,
1: and um, there, there's an interesting sort of point in which Tuvok sort of con- concedes the irony of the fact that uh, Tuvok is asking someone who spied on him to be honest with him. Um, and Chakotay asks, was I naive? Um, to which Tuvok responds, initially in a very Vulcan way of, well, like all humans, you're driven by emotion and instinct, and they let you down. uh but you were not naive, and I found your attention span adequate. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. That line,
2: the way he says yeah. It.
1: <laughs> um, which could be taken as patronizing by some species, who might try and point out relative empire sizes of, you know human versus Vulcan space, that sort of thing. But anyway, we leave we leave all that aside. Um but it speaks a lot to the evolving relationship of Chikose with the Starfleet officers, of the insecurities that will have been needling Chikose and work on him as he works through this evolving period that the person he goes to for reassurance is Tuvok. Mm. And and it's interesting from that perspective I think.
2: Yeah,
0: and yeah, I mean, they have that, as you say, that interesting discussion of like, well, because I think mm. Tuvok, you know, like, but like he's asking Tuvok for mm-hmm. like an honest question from someone who deceived him for a long period of time. Yeah. But, um, and as you say, Tuvok responds, but then he also has this like, he kind of to check his own thinking, he asked Tuvok, was he ever suspicious of Seska? Mm. Uh, and I think, I also liked his line, something like, no, she expertly pulled the wool over my eyes as well. Um and
1: just telling.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean that uh, that really makes Dakota feel a lot better, which he articulates. Uh Tivok is like very confused about how two errors in kind of judgment can make Shakurte feel better. Loves company.
1: Misery loves company is the response.
0: Exactly. And uh, I think at that point we we end. So um a nice wrap up and a nice <gasps> yeah we made, it. <laughs> we
3: made it oh my gosh, such a long Oh, oh we've yeah. got yeah i've i think next time it's a really like complex one um i we'll might even summarize it quickly I, at the start I, and know, then
1: we talk about bits that we like
3: oh that actually sounds really fun but also um i was gonna say if you want like maybe i will actually write some notes so i can do some scenes because
1: yeah. otherwise no. i feel like it's very
3: tiring for you guys
0: but let's, before <laughs> we, before we go. critique yeah, our own podcast, let's wrap up with the star player and then we can stop recording. And, um, of course.
3: Yes. Yeah. Well, who, who wants to go first? I'll, I'll go first. Cause I, um I ultimately already know, cause I just absolutely loved two books delivery in the end scene. just <laughs> the end scene was my favorite scene. I just, the wisdom and the comic delivery of adequate. Mm. And, um, they're just like conversation they have. It's just very sort of philosophical and like, yeah, uh, I don't know all these themes about. Yeah, you do feel better knowing it's, you're not the only one to have done something that you consider, uh, you know, naive or stupid, and um, all these different. I don't know topics of conversation, which really interest me. I just really enjoyed that scene. So, to my stop player, great
0: Jamie.
1: Um, so I honourable mention to Belana Torres because she. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I really like how she sort of sets a boundary with the captain and gains respect for that with the whole, no, it'll be a day because, you know, that's how long it'll take. Um, but I also, and I think also she, she pulls the technology ad to actually affect the removal of the console out of the bag. Like, rarely in a sci-fi uh, series episode does someone come up with a cunning plan and it just works like clockwork. And that happened when she removed the console from the case on ship. So again, kudos points. Um, I, I use think
0: your star player. <laughs> I,
1: I'm going. Uh, so obviously, Tuvok for rousting out uh, the spy. But um, again, I, I'm also impressed with Chakotay managing the emotional mm. turmoil of his ex-lover being a Cardassian uh, infiltrator.
0: Yeah, I mean. I was also going to go for Chocote because I feel like this is the most <laughs> we've seen of him up until this yeah. point. So it was really and I always really loved his character growing up. Um yeah. and Actually, um, I
1: would like to completely reverse my decision on
0: oh, Star Okay. Blair.
1: I think Star Player is Seska because okay, not only does she manage to do the impossible which is sell uh, effectively sell Federation technology to People with whom she's not even made contact with, she has single-handedly survived not only years living as an infiltrator <laughs> in uh, a marquee ship, um, but she also manages to successfully escape and get the help and assistance of the alien species for whom she is responsible for the destruction of an entire ship on their part. Now, if that doesn't scream...
2: (laughs) That's a very good point.
1: If that doesn't scream effective operator to you, I don't know what we're all doing trying to get jobs with Goldman Sachs.
0: She probably just told them it was their fault because they're dumb and they need her uh, to install it next time
1: exactly right and she you know manages to convince them to you know not execute her for sabotaging a ship but you know take her on board and uh, presumably put her in a position of rank
0: well i'm glad you chose Seska because i do want to choose jacote um yeah. because yeah because i well when i was i noticed in the last like you know 10 episodes mm. i hardly ever had anything to say about him or he didn't say much Mm. um so it's nice to see more of that character and um and he was very even-minded you know he wasn't even though he had initially had the wool pulled over his eyes mm. as um and he was maybe going by instinct and emotion mm. when suspicions arose he didn't just completely disregard them he kept an open mm. mind so yeah, yeah. i'm think got- i mean this is a bit different but like uh when you know you watch a TV show and someone's like, "Why don't you trust me? How can you not trust me?" And sometimes it's someone like that people have just met or someone people have known for a long time. Yeah. But it's like you can't just ignore evidence over just yes. blind trust. Like so, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad someone chose to
3: go to and someone sort of choosing Cisco as well. Because yeah, yeah. to be fair, like they did the, the, a lot of work in that, that episode. <laughs> and, <you> know, <laughs> a lot of them. Um, I mean, yeah, Cesca like,
1: worked ass
3: off yeah like but here's the thing i have to I have to um flag again that i we we choose them for in different ways so yeah. you guys choose the character for doing the character doing a great job and i i choose the actor or actress
2: yeah.
0: and um, i'm very happy that you vote for tim russ week after week <laughs> i guess. i can't believe how much i i always
3: thought jane was my favorite he, he is great I'm, i really love it. his
0: and also the thing is i just want to say about this one thing i've one little thing i've learned by listening to all of these um, rewatch podcasts and lots of actors speaking, and I'm not an actor. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but often actors are cast because there's actually something similar about them to the character. So it's not that much of a stretch, but the more I learn about Tim Russ, he is very different to this Vulcan character. So he deserves, I think every bit of praise that he gets because he's like in a band and he's like a, Fun, you know he's not this serious logical maybe he's yeah. logical but he's not so serious as this character he plays and he does it so well
3: yeah. he he's full yeah. sort of human emotion in real life
0: <laughs> yeah he's a normal you know fun human being but he, he it's not like a serious guy got cast to play this serious character that's not well that's not my impression yeah.
1: um, I mean I, yeah he first appeared in an episode of the Twilight Zone as officer number Two. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
0: Um, so yeah, I'm always happy when he gets the credit he deserves,
3: Jenny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. I do feel like I'll end up choosing Jenny a lot more in later seasons. Um, I feel like she sort oh, of progresses. But mm. I I forgot how good Tim Ross was in the first season. Like his, it's it's just this lovely balance of um mm. he delivers lines in a way that could be vulcan and very serious and logical and at mm. face value that's how you're meant to take them but there's always this undercurrent of comedy
2: that oh yes
3: it's just so well
0: balanced I love it's so it, good 100 percent
1: agree I agree 100 as well
0: any final I words
1: i need to give two more credit
3: jamie's butt <laughs> <That's too laughs> Jamie. good.
1: <laughs> words. But yeah i am gonna sort of leave you guys to it because like no, we're, gonna, Saturday, gonna we're gonna
0: wrap we're up thank gonna... like, you everyone for listening and we'll kind of one a two-minute debrief because i put a good thank you
2: bye, bye, bye. later